Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Today on the show, you're going to get a glimpse into the success paths of two different real estate investors and get some great ideas and inspiration. It's going to be a fun show. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio network. Most people think of life insurance as a death benefit, a big payout to the beneficiary when the insured dies. Some people think of life insurance as a savings vehicle, though it arguably isn't a very good one. But how many people think of life insurance as a cash management tool? Now that's a new paradigm. So before you think you already understand life insurance, call the professionals at Paradigm Life. They have educational resources to help you discover the living benefits of life insurance as a powerful cash management tool. Discover how to finance your own interests and essentially be your own bank. For a free report, visit beyourbank.com or call 888 888- 510-6838 extension 116. That's 888-510-6838 extension 116 or visit beorbank.com. This podcast is brought to you by audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have a great show for you today. We're going to turn our Real Estate Guys spotlight at a couple of different real estate investors that we've had a chance to sit down and uh, and learn from them, really what got them started, what led to their success, and get a chance to glean some great information. I don't know about you, but when I get a chance to sit down and talk to a successful real estate investor, I can learn so much just from listening to how they got into the market they did, why they chose the path they did, the challenges they faced, the mistakes they made, the lessons they learned. It's a great way to learn, and rarely do we have the opportunity to uh, have those kind of conversations here on the radio. But uh, we have that chance today, and so I think you're going to like the show. Russ and I had a chance to uh, travel to Memphis, Tennessee recently and sat down with Terry Kerr, who's got a really interesting story of how he started as just a single-family home investor and has really blossomed that into a really neat business. Then before we're done, you're also going to meet a longtime listener of the Real Estate Guys, Craig Horton. And I got a chance to sit down with Craig in Las Vegas and talk with him about how his family approaches real estate investing and some really interesting things that they do. I think you're going to enjoy the show. Thanks for being with us. Stay tuned for the interview with Terry Kerr. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of The Real Estate Guys, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook you might consider is The Intelligent Entrepreneur by Bill Murphy. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. When you're starting as an investor, it seems like an ominous task to figure it all out. But we're going to meet a gentleman who started and then built not only a great portfolio, but a great business. Please welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio show, Mr. Terry Kerr. How are you, Terry? Doing great. Thanks so much. Yes, thanks for being here today. Now, last time we had you on the show, we learned a little bit about what you do, but I want to focus today on 
really what it takes to get started in real estate and then expand the business. So a lot of folks are, for the first time, considering real estate. It's on sale. There's a lot of great markets in the U.S. that now are valued differently than they were. And so for the person who's just getting started, it seems like a daunting task to figure out there's so much to learn. Tell us how you got started in real estate. I actually got started in real estate out of necessity. Um, uh, my daughter was about a year old at the time. Uh, I was wanting to try to keep my personal overhead low. Uh, my wife was a stay-at-home mom, and um, I had a great job uh, working at an outfit here in town, uh, and uh, was just looking to try to find something nice, uh, but that was affordable. And the more I looked around, uh, the more I found that uh, uh, even though the mortgage company said I could qualify for something a lot higher, if I wanted to get down where my comfort level was, I was going to need to buy a piece of distressed property. I'd never bought distressed property before. I didn't have any construction experience. Um, so uh, I just kind of rolled up my sleeves and decided to buy something that had been vacant for a long time. Uh, and uh, I bought something that had been, been vacant for about 13 years, if you can believe that. Wow. And spent about seven months working nights and weekends to fix up my first property. And during the process, uh, I just fell in love with making ugly houses is pretty um, and uh, ended up quitting my job uh, and taking something part-time to make a full-time run at the real estate business. So now how much of that was to find a property that needed the, the help, the work, do the work and then resell versus just hold it for your own account? Um, when I first got started in the business, I uh, wasn't exactly sure which tack I wanted to take. So I started listening uh, to folks uh, that had been there and done that. Um, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, really hit home with me. Um, and I, I knew that I wanted to start buying properties, fixing them up, and keeping them for my own personal rental portfolio. However, um, I also knew that I had created such sweat equity in the property by swinging hammers my, myself that the idea was to buy the properties, fix them up, and sell three a year was my initial goal. Okay. And then I would keep as many as I could afford to keep. And that's sort of the, the direction that I started. Okay, that's great because we always talk about having a personal investment philosophy, which is the why, and we talked about what that was for you to, to create that uh, additional income. And then there's the strategy. So the strategy is I'm going to go to work and roll up my sleeves and turn these ugly houses into pretty houses, sell some, but then keep some for my own account so I'm building a portfolio at the same time as I'm building an income stream. Absolutely. And, um, and I stub my toes a lot along the way, um, but that is where I am today. You know, I buy houses, I fix them up, and I sell them, uh, but I also buy, uh, fix, and keep a lot of properties. In the beginning, uh, I, I didn't know uh, that there was a market for anything except for selling properties retail or uh, keeping properties for myself. Uh, so here's what happened for me. I was renovating a property, uh, a guy that I went to grade school with that was a, a very savvy investor um, that I learned a lot from came to visit me on the job site just to check out the rehab. And he made me an offer on the property that I was renovating. And even though I wasn't going to make a lot of money because he was going to keep it as a rental, um, uh, I was going to make a little bit and, and a little bit was okay with me uh, for the amount of time that I'd put into it. So I sold him that property and the 
the light bulb went off for me that I could now have a separate business from selling retail or keeping them myself, uh, and I decided to make a side business of, of selling bargains uh, to bargain hunters. Um, and, and that's where that, that business was born. Well, this is great for a couple of reasons. Whether or not that appeals to you as a way to do business, it's the lesson that you make your plan, but your plan might change. That was a house you were going to continue working on and try to sell at the retail, and instead of here comes this opportunity, would you stop now for a smaller profit, a quick nickel, if you would, instead of a long dime? And it's like, well, okay, I would. And, and really today, so much is changing that the, the way that you had to buy real estate five years ago doesn't doesn't work today. So you really do have to adapt your plan as you go. Absolutely. Uh, I've got quite a few uh, permanent full-time employees now. And one of the things that I uh, talk to my employees about when I hire them is the only thing that's going to be constant in our business uh, is change. So we're constantly on the lookout um, for ways to, uh, to do things better from the acquisition standpoint, from the management standpoint. Um, and uh, it's, it's what makes this business fun. Okay. So before we get into kind of where you guys currently are, because it's a great story, Let's get to that point where you were now doing a few houses. So you had your goal of three houses a year. Are you doing the work yourself? Are you starting to hire people? Is it teams? How do you get from just the one-man band to kind of the next level? Okay. I hired the wrong people to right. start. First, I was fixing them myself. I was swinging hammers. I was getting home super late at night. Um, even though I loved swinging the hammers, laying the tile, sweating copper pipe, I was not particularly good at it. So um, I knew if I was going to do more than two or three houses a year, this is when I had a, 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 a job that I had to go to, um, I was going to need to enlist some help. I made the mistake of hiring people that were not as skilled a craftsman um, as they should have been. And there are a lot of headaches with hiring uh, people that call themselves craftsmen or folks that can, can say they're jack of all trades. So uh, I had people, you know, rip off materials, uh, run off with money. And so there was a pretty darn steep learning curve to uh, employing other people as subcontractors to do the work for me. A light bulb went off for me one day when I showed up at Home Depot as soon as they opened. They opened at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I showed up there early because I had to buy some supplies before work. Well, I noticed that there were all these sharp-looking, go-getter-type guys there. They didn't have alcohol in their breath. Um, they, were, they, they had their list out. They were ready to rock and roll. So I developed a strategy, uh, what I called the Saturday powwow. And basically what that was is I would go out and I would look at a property that I wanted to purchase. I didn't know how much it was going to cost me to fix this property up. So I would go to Home Depot or Lowe's early in the morning and I would have contractors um, uh, show up on a Saturday morning at the property that I wanted to purchase. I would have three roofers, three plumbers, whoever I could get there, um, uh, tell me what they were going to do to the property and what was wrong with the property. Well, what happens in that process is you have a roofer show up and tell you what he would do to the roof. And then when the next roofer shows up, you're educated. And you can tell the roofer what you were thinking about the roof and ask him what he thinks. And so you tend to get a little bit um, a better quote from a contractor that knows you know what you're talking about. So that's the line I sort of took and was able to start developing my team of contractors. Well, a couple of great things there. First of all, you don't and really shouldn't be the smartest person or the best person on the team. 
Right? Then, then all you're going to create is mediocrity. And when you're spending your time doing something you're not good at, you're never going to be world class. So instead, and, and, and I don't know how much of hiring the wrong guys was because they were the low price bidder, but one of the worst things you can do is, is pick the guy who will do it the cheapest. Absolutely. Uh, uh, picking the guy that can do it the cheapest and also picking the guy who says he can do your plumbing and refinish your hardwood floors. Yeah, that's a great point as well. So, okay, so obviously through this process and these years, you've now um, been able to transition to a guy that understands a lot about the construction business, and we'll touch on that when we talk about what you, uh, what you do these days. But let's talk about the property management side because when you're now deciding I'm going to keep a house every every fourth house I'm going to keep one now you're building up a portfolio and you have to get in touch with that part of the business which is property management walk us through that learning curve I will say this um, the property management uh, if I had a tough time learning the construction into the business, um, uh, property management, uh, I have to say, was tougher than that. Uh, you got to wear a lot of hats if you're going to try uh, to go this alone. And like you said a few minutes ago, you know, you, you, if you're the sharpest guy uh, in your outfit, you're going to surround yourself with mediocrity. And um, what I've been able to do is surround myself with folks that are a lot better at doing what needs to be done than I am and their specific trades property management, a prime example. My first rental property that I had, I had a guy that would, you know, sing me these stories and tell me these these things, and I believed it, uh, you know, uh, and I, I felt sorry for the guy. Uh, he said he was blind. Turns out the guy wasn't blind. I wasn't collecting the rent. You know, you can't confuse uh, uh, charity um, uh, with business, and I don't even meet my tenants today. I don't want to know my tenants because if I get to know them, I'm going to be too easy on them. Don't get me wrong. We take terrific care of our tenants, and we have lots of referrals within our business. However, um, there are lots of I's to dot and T's to cross, and a lot of things to learn in the property management business. Um, and it was a uh, it was a it was a painful learning process, but I've come to love it. Um, I've got a great team. Um, and uh, but we continue every single day uh, to try and learn. We look at other outfits in different parts of the country, and uh, uh, and we're always trying to better ourselves. So today, really, you are in the property management business, not only with the properties in your own portfolio, but with clients that you sell houses to, as well as other folks who bring in. If, if I'm a client of yours, and I maybe have another property, you might do this. That's a full-time business that you have. At the same time, you have a full-time crew and rehabs, and you're doing uh, the work for the houses that have problems where tenants are in them and a quick response rate there. And then you've got the business part of it, which you have acquisitions. So today your business has blossomed into a, a much different animal than it was when you started. Um, it, it did. And I, uh, you know, I didn't start out to intend it to be like that. Um, however, uh, you know, and we didn't grow for the sake of growing, but what happened is about three years ago, um, one of my buyers that had bought properties from me, um, asked me if I would manage his properties because at that time I was only managing my houses. Okay. I would buy the houses, fix them up and either sell them retail keep them myself or sell them to my repeat investor buyers that would come back year after year, depending on the, on their ability to purchase. Uh, and this individual uh, said that he would not buy any more property from me unless I would manage them. And I asked him why. And he showed me his rent roll and, 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 and what his numbers were looking like. And he already knew what mine were looking like because he had talked to my bookkeeper. Well, 
I decided at that very moment that I would start managing properties, not just for myself, but for other folks. Um, and that really and truly um, is when we shifted gears and knew that our business would never be the same and that my job was to make sure that the properties of my buyers performed as good as they possibly could. And what happened was we have an owner-focused, myself being an owner of property, an owner-focused style of property management versus a third-party property management company that doesn't necessarily have the best interest of the owner of the property in mind. There are some good ones out there, but they're feeding from the other side of the trough. It's such a huge distinction because you are your own best client. You're acquiring property, adding to your portfolio, and because there's only so much any individual can do in terms of what they can qualify for and what the assets they can deploy, but you're able to now take advantage of what's happening in your marketplace and provide opportunity for other investors to come along. And of course, the bigger that that gets, the more tenants you have to manage and the better operation you can create. It's true. Um, what happens now is the folks that I employ, um, I believe, have a better quality of life now because we've able to grow a little bit and everyone has become cross-trained. So my bookkeeper can sit in for my leasing agent who can sit in for my property manager and everyone tends to be able to cover each other's bases and it's really made it a lot more enjoyable and it's made us a more efficient outfit um, from the ability to fill properties quicker get to the houses that need service faster, as well as hire individuals that are going to continue to maintain the properties that either I own or I sell. And what, what, what happens there is the individuals that are out uh, rehabbing our new properties can cover for my service guys when they're on vacation and everyone just tends to cover for each other and life is less hectic and more efficient uh, all the way around. Our guest today is Terry Kerr. He is an investor as well as a property manager and there's a bigger picture we're going to talk about when we come back. I also want to ask you, Terry, about the market that you're in because it's got some really unique attributes. More from the Real Estate Guys when we return. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Bob Helms. They call me the godfather of real estate, mostly because I've been investing longer than the average Joe, since 1957 to be exact. Back when I started out, investing was pretty simple. Even so, I made more than my fair share of mistakes. And I can't imagine getting into this game today without some help. That's why I'm inviting you to check out the Real Estate Guys Investor Mentoring Club. There are three locations to choose from, Silicon Valley, Los Angeles, and Dallas, Texas. To find out when and where, just send an email to guys at realestateguysradio.com or use the feedback page on the website at realestateguysradio.com. Tell them the Godfather sent you. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. Real 
real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you're serious about learning how to invest in real estate, listen to the real estate guys. They really know what they're talking about. And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded real estate podcast on iTunes. I'm your host, Robert Helms, in Memphis, Tennessee, with Terry Kerr. Terry, when you were getting started in uh, real estate, it was uh, a different time, and yet a lot of things about your market uh, have been very consistent. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, you're in Memphis, Tennessee, interesting marketplace. Tell us about Memphis and what attracted you to wanting to invest in real estate here. Sure. Uh, Well, I will say this. I'm a native Memphian, so I was born uh, and raised here. And, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed Memphis. I've done a lot of traveling and I always like coming back home. Uh, One thing I will say is uh, one of the things that attracts investors from all over the world to come to Memphis um, is the purchase price to rent ratio. Um, That gives large cash flows. Uh, The taxes here are relatively inexpensive. Um, we retain um, uh, our residents. Uh, one of the reasons is because the cost of living is so low here. Uh, we do not have a state income tax. So there are a lot of advantages to living in Memphis, uh, and there are a lot of advantages to investing in Memphis, the main one being uh, that the cash flows are a lot higher than they are in most parts of the country. Well, that's interesting because, obviously, if you're investing for cash flow, you want to get where those numbers are good. I always say live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Having now spent a few days here, boy, the numbers really do make sense here. And it's not just pro forma numbers, right? The numbers that I, I get from the broker that says, oh, this is what I what I can take in. Since you're in the, in the trenches, I mean, we got to see several properties today. I mean, you understand the rental market here down cold, and you guys would tell us within $25 what the rent is that's going to come in. So these are real rents. They're durable rents, which are all based on the fact that somebody gets up and goes to work and has to make that payment from their paycheck. So jobs are crucial. Tell us about who your tenants are. Our tenants are mostly blue-collar workers. Uh, They're going to be throwing boxes for Federal Express. They're going to be working for UPS. They may work at the Nike plant, uh, but most of these tenants um, uh, are in the blue-collar arena and are associated in some uh, shape, form, or fashion uh, to the distribution industry. You know, when you fly into Memphis, it is pretty amazing to see that the FedEx airport is a lot bigger than the passenger airport. A lot more boxes come into this town and leave than people do. It's like a city over there at Federal Express. Uh, it's it's incredible. And, uh, you know, FedEx, they pay well, but they don't pay well enough uh, from a box-throwing standpoint that a lot of their employees can afford to purchase the home that they like. However, they make fantastic tenants. Well, and I, as we look at a marketplace and where the jobs are, these are jobs that are difficult to move. 
the infrastructure that's been put in place into this market as a distribution hub isn't going to move to the town next door anytime soon. No, it's not. Uh, you know, Memphis is geographically located um, right on the Mississippi River across from Arkansas, um, and there is an amazing amount of traffic that moves up and down the Mississippi River, uh, and barges generates an incredible amount uh, of, of jobs, uh, as well as we have the third largest rail system uh, going through that's moving a lot of uh, freight and creates a lot of job opportunities. And also uh, uh, I-240 or Interstate 40 runs right through Memphis. Um, so the, the trucking uh, industry is extremely strong here. And all of these individuals tend to make a good wage, have a good job. The job's not going anywhere. Um, but for one reason or another, a lot of them tend to be renters instead of homeowners. Now that's interesting because it is a, a state of mind a bit, right? Some people want to own a house. It's part of the American dream. But for some people, especially at the price point we're talking about, renting just makes sense. It does. It does. And one of the things that we try to do for our tenants, um, if you look at where the rental market is set as far as what the uh, the rent is on, say, uh, one of our three-bedroom, one-bath properties, um, you take, a, for example, one of the houses that I own looks very much uh, like the other 90%. And the reason is because we have a cookie cutter, and part of that formula is having undermarket rents. Uh, if, if the market's renting for $700, i would rather rent for $675. And $25 might not sound like a lot uh, to me and you and some of our listeners. However, $25 can make the difference between the tenants renewing their lease and not. So we try to make sure that we've got the best looking house on the street that is priced below market rent. So then when the lease uh, expires and comes up, they're more apt to renew. Uh, because uh, as anybody knows who has been in the business for a while, uh, vacancy is the biggest killer uh, of return on investment. And so we do everything in our power to make sure that that doesn't happen. This is a tough concept for new investors to get their mind around. They think that they want to maximize their rent. But your point is huge. And if you take nothing else away from the show today, this is such a key point. $25 is a enough of a difference in a market like this that someone might move over that difference. But it's also not enough difference to make a huge dent in, in your cash on cash return. And look at it this way. If the property were to sit empty because you raised the rent $25, $25 is, I mean, that's 10 months of $25 is $250. One month of not getting that $700 is like three years. It is. It is. And when people are out comparing uh, properties and you've got a house that's renting for $695 or $725, and then they see a house that's in better condition for less money, uh, it's a no-brainer. And, uh, you know, not to jump the gun, but not only do we want to offer the nicest houses for uh, slightly below market rents, um, as the owner of property myself, um, I found out quite a while back that if I, as the owner of property, did not charge my potential tenants an application fee, uh, that I would have many more potential tenants come through the door to apply. So we do not charge application fees, therefore we have a lot more folks come through the door, which means two things. Number one, we're able to fill the property quicker. Number two, we've got a shot at getting a better tenant. Yeah, this is an interesting point because it varies so much by marketplace. And tenants landlord law. In some places, you can't charge an upfront application fee. And even if you can, in your market, you've decided, well, most of my competitors are charging that. And you can see why someone would want to. If we're going to go through all the trouble of screening and checking employment and so forth, and meanwhile, they're out making applications at seven other places, you might have to do a lot of work that you don't get paid for. 
But at the same time, if all of your competition is charging that fee and now you're not, you're definitely going to attract people that maybe aren't finding success with another uh, provider or they just would rather conserve that uh, that capital. It makes it, It's a business decision. It is, and also what happens is you end up getting a lot of referrals. Your tenants will refer their friends and their family, um, and they'll say, uh, someone will come over and say, wow, this house is so nice, and they'll say, yeah, and I'm only renting it for X, and they'll say, you ought to check them out. They don't even charge an application fee. So um, it's, it's a small thing, but you add up all the little small things, and they, they can make a big difference. Absolutely. Now, coming up, we're uh, going to be organizing a field trip to Memphis. We're excited about this. It'll be the first time that the real estate guys have brought investors into the market to see it and it's two and a half days where we're going to spend a lot of time seeing the market seeing the properties getting to meet a lot of the folks in the marketplace and uh, we're happy to announce you're going to be a big part of that i am looking forward to it uh, you know this is this business is a lot of fun uh, and i look forward to, to visiting with uh, everyone uh, cruising around uh, showing them uh, you know where we invest why we invest where we invest uh, what our philosophies are why we arrived at uh, at the decision that we arrived to make sense for cash flow for ourselves as well as our repeat buyers. We had a chance today to have a little mini version of the field trip, and I was certainly impressed not only with your team, but with the knowledge that you had in the market and the price points, amazing. I don't know where you're listening from, but even if you're uh, in a market that is affordable, the, the numbers just flat out work here. I mean, the percentage numbers are incredible. You learn that on, on the trip. Plus, you'll get to see firsthand the things you need to look for and the things you need to avoid because just because this is a great market for cash flow doesn't mean every neighborhood or every house is going to work for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. We uh, invest in what we call the sweet spot. And, um, you know, when I got started in this business, I bought down too low. Uh, and, you know, we call them the war zones. You don't want to buy there. They're, they're not worth it. I bought too high where the cash flow numbers just really didn't work. And so we kind of whittled around until we arrived um, uh, in the neighborhoods where, where, we, where we are. And look forward to sharing that with uh, the folks on the tour. All right. For more information, our website, realestateguysradio.com. Go to events and you'll learn all about the field trip to Memphis. Uh, come with us. Now, Terry, not only did you start as an investor and have had this own path of yours, but you deal with a lot of investors. Some are very seasoned, some are not. What are some of the challenges you think people have to come to grips with or get over uh, today as real estate investors? Um, I think some of the challenges folks have to come to grips with and get over as real estate investors is you need to understand that you're not looking for a house that you would necessarily live in. Um, you know, live where you want to live and live in the kind of house you want to live in, but pick the, your, your, your real estate investment property uh, based on the numbers, based on the cash flow, based on the market, based on the quality of the renovation, and just the big picture. Um, if I was only going to invest in, in properties where I would want myself and my family to live, I couldn't make any money. So that, I would say that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, and once folks can, can get over over that and understand that you know there shouldn't be concerned uh, about uh, necessarily uh, what the property looks like as far as the neighborhood, but just make sure that it's a good, safe area that has a solid performance behind it. Uh, they're on the right track. You're going to learn a ton when you come on the field trip, not just about Memphis, obviously, and the kind of property that uh, Terry is an expert in, but you'll also get a glimpse into how we look at a marketplace. What are the things we look for and the whys behind it? And uh, we'd love to have you come on the trip, so that'd be great. Also, Terry's prepared a report. If you haven't had a chance to check this out, uh, you can send an email to turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. Turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. 
In fact, I'd recommend that you get a copy of that report before you come on the trip, and then we'd love to have you uh, come visit us uh, here in Memphis. It's been uh, great uh, getting a chance to spend time with your team today, Terry. And, of course, thanks for your time. It's always uh, educational. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Looking for solid cash flow in a market where the jobs are likely to stay put? Hi, this is Robert Helms. Join me October 14th to 16th for our first investor field trip to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm excited to show you this affordable real estate market where cash flow is the name of the game. You'll meet active developers, rehabbers, property managers, plus folks from the Chamber of Commerce and many surprise guest speakers. Find out how the four R's of Memphis will virtually ensure a steady supply of qualified tenants. For all the details, visit realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Join me in Memphis for an amazing cash flow weekend. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I sure hope you enjoyed that interview with Terry Kerr. He's just an amazing guy. We learned a ton, not only from getting to interview all the folks in his operation and his teammates, but also spending the day with Terry, going around and seeing how he looks at properties and the way that he approaches the problem, if you will, of these uh, underutilized properties and then uses his expertise to turn them around and, and make uh, really awesome investments. Just a, a really great time. In fact, if you'd like to uh, see what Memphis is all about, we've got a field trip on the calendar. The real estate guys will be headed to Memphis, Tennessee in mid-October. You can find out all the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. Before we get to our next investor interview, let's play Real Estate Trivia. This is your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. Now, as soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer, quickly get us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, mailing address so we can send you your prize and the answer to today's question. The first person that gets the right answer will win an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. Then we'll take all the correct guesses from the week and no matter when they came in, uh, we'll do a drawing for a second autographed copy of the book. So if you're listening on iTunes or on our website, you still have a chance to win just as long as you get your entry in before next week's show. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, we were talking about resource-backed returns with the Frank Trotter from Everbank and Mark Bragg. And here was our trivia question. What was the name of the banker on the Beverly Hillbillies? Well, lots of people remembered Mr. Drysdale. Not as many remembered his first name was Milburn. But uh, either way, we counted you as a winner. Milburn Drysdale, uh, played by Raymond Bailey, was uh, the famous banker on the Beverly Hillbillies. Now, many of you are far too young to remember the Beverly Hillbillies, but definitely a classic. Here's our trivia question for this week. Since we're talking about Memphis, Tennessee, Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, made Memphis his home after his family moved to Memphis from another city. What city did the Presleys move from? Elvis Presley made his home in Memphis after his family moved from what other city? That's today's trivia question. If you think you know the answer or want to take a guess, simply send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. That's trivia at realestateguysradio.com. 
As a real estate investor, we certainly hope you're going to have a long, fruitful career and create all kinds of great legacy, not only in the properties and the equities and the cash flows that you're able to accumulate for yourself and your family, but beyond that. And the gentleman you're about to meet next has really put an interesting spin on that. He is definitely from a real estate family, and I can relate to that. In fact, Craig and I have a lot in common, as you'll hear from uh, the interview here. And uh, we had a chance to stand with Craig. He's been a longtime listener uh, and professional investor uh, for a lot of years, but listens to the Real Estate Guys faithfully and uh, often uh, corresponds by email and sends in guesses for trivia and all that. So when we had a chance to finally meet Craig in person, I sat down with him for a few minutes and asked about his business and thought, wow, this would make a really great interview for the radio. So I hope that you're going to enjoy some of the lessons that you're going to learn and the story from Craig Horton when we return. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We're the Real Estate Guys. This is Gary Johnson, candidate for President of the United States, and I'm here to say, listen to the Real Estate Guys. Are you ready to take your real estate investing to a whole new level? Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 10th Annual Investor Summit. It's part education, part inspiration, part transformation, and a whole lot of fun. And it takes place in four different countries. Returning this year are Rich Dad Advisors Ken McElroy and Wayne Palmer, international developer Beth Clifford, attorney Mauricio Rald, and the godfather of real estate, Bob Helms. Plus, joining us for the first time, Robert and Kim Kiyosaki, live and in person. It all begins March 30th, 2012 in Orlando. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click on the tab that says Summit to learn more. The Investor Summit always sells out, so reserve your spot today. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit or call 888-GUYS-RADIO to talk with our Summit Specialist. That's 888-489-7723. 888-GUYS-RADIO. Spend a week with the Real Estate Guys, the Kiyosakis, and an all-star faculty on the 10th Annual Investor Summit. Hi, this is Kim Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Woman, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. And our guest knows that because he's an avid listener and have been in the property management business well over 30 years. Please welcome to The Real Estate Guys radio show, Mr. Craig Horton. Hey, Craig. Hi, Robert. It's a pleasure to have you uh, with us today. Well, it's a privilege and an honor to uh, be on your program. And I've been uh, a listener for a couple of years from Southern Oregon, and I really learned a lot and appreciate the the motivation and the education that you provide. Well, thank you so much. We know that you do because you send us your thoughts and your notes and your emails, and we appreciate that feedback. That's awesome. Well, you've been kind enough, uh, you and uh, Russell particularly, to answer my emails and to help me, in which I appreciate so much. Now, it's been more than 30 years you've been in real estate. How'd you get into real estate investing? Well, I went to work for my dad. I, I got out of the Navy, my wife and I, and we had one child. We came to Medford and we went to work for my dad. We were resident managers of a 56-unit apartment project that he built in Medford. Wow. And it just kind of grew from there. We subsequently built several uh, other apartment projects. Uh, we built one on the Oregon coast. We sold that one. But uh, today we have 217 units six projects uh, that are all family owned that we uh, manage and then my wife and I have like 22 houses that we own. All right and now you do self-manage but it's a big enough portfolio that essentially it's a property management company. Yes, yes it is. We have several employees, a a good staff, um, you know not a lot but we we're able to do the job and I think we provide good customer service. 
Now, uh, obviously, you and I have a lot in common. Both started uh, in the same part of the business, uh, on-site residential property management, uh, but also uh, working with our dads. That's pretty cool. Yes. Um, my dad is my hero. He's my mentor. Uh, he's, he's 85. He still comes to the office every day, and he's just he's the driving force in our business, and I'm very proud of that. I, I'm uh, it's, it's really been a, a blessing of the real estate businesses to work side-by-side side with my dad and my wife, who's our office manager. Well, let's talk about you've taken it actually a step further in your family, being in a real estate family. Uh, one of the things that uh, really struck me was our conversation about the foundation that you have set up, actually a couple of foundations. Talk about that. Working with my dad, one of his goals is he's a very generous person, and he wanted to help the community. So. Uh, with some of the uh, profits and earnings from his real estate business, he started the Horton Family Foundation. And it's been in existence now for about 10 years. And uh, we have some liquid assets uh, in the fund. And we give away probably about uh, uh, roughly $20,000 a year to uh, a list of community uh, organizations, uh, primarily in the Southern Oregon area that we help support. And it's just, uh, it's a wonderful experience because we, we help a lot of people and it's, it's our way, my dad's way, and, and now it's my wife and I are moving in that direction to give back to the community. And it's been a, it's been a tremendous experience. We formed our foundation after my dad formed his. Our foundation has only been in existence probably two or three years, but my dad's uh, family foundation has been in existence about 10 years. And we give away... Uh, Right now, about $1,500 a year because we, we just have one house, free and clear house in the foundation. But it's, it's just very satisfying, and, and we believe that uh, we can accomplish two things. First, we can make a difference in our community, and we can leave a legacy uh, on Earth after we, we pass from the Earth, which is uh, wonderful. It's, it's a way to give back. You know, real estate investors who are in for the long term, and obviously you've got a lot of units, you're building up uh, residual value in the property, but also a stream of cash flow. And, and this is an, an excellent way to consider what you're going to do and, and, and where you'd like to go. And I know that, that in your foundation, you've kind of selected uh, the beneficiaries of that. And, and, and people can set that up in any way they, they want to. There's a lot, of, a lot of variety. Now, this isn't something that I've heard a lot of people do. Tell us about the process you went through to go through setting up the foundation to work the way it does. Well, the, the first major step that we took is we, I set a written goal. I'm a, I'm a great believer in written goals. So I set a written goal to, to set up the foundation, and I gave it a time frame. So once we had that in writing, that was kind of the, the impetus to get it going. And then we determined uh, approximately what it would cost. And then I, I just started searching for an attorney to put together the foundation because you have to have somebody that's knowledgeable in that area and somebody that can do it for reasonable cost. And I got a lucky break because the guy that manages the money for our foundation helped me find an attorney. And he, he, he helped me shop. And we negotiate with an attorney, and believe it or not, uh, the attorney did it for a flat fee, which really surprised me. We saved a little money that way, and he, the attorney, uh, who I can mention is Lee Kirsten in Eugene, uh, did an excellent job, and he was very conscientious, and he did everything he said he was going to do. And so it probably took us uh, about six months to a year to set it up and get the IRS approvals. And, and we had a couple of glitches along the way, but, but not much. And now, and now what we do is every year we give some money 
we have 13 designated charities that are affiliated with the Catholic Church. My wife and I are both Catholic, but you can do it for any any organizations that you want to support. Yeah. But we only support those organizations, and we uh, each year we have a meeting of our board of directors, and we give that money away. And it's that will continue uh, not only as long as we live, but when we die, that money will will be managed by the the, the person that helped me get the attorney to to draw up the documents. And that, that legacy will continue. And it's really, uh, it's a wonderful experience. And I just would encourage your listeners to please think about doing that, particularly if you're in the business for long term. I, I just think it's a, it's a great goal to have. You know, one of our philosophies has always been, if we're going to go into a marketplace, as you know, I, I believe you should live where you want to live and invest where the numbers make sense. And sometimes that's the same market and sometimes it's not. But if you're going to go into a community, whether it's your community or 100 miles or 1,000 miles away, and you're going to pull out profits and you're going to make money, isn't it only the right thing to do to put some of that money back to work in that community? And you've done it in a way that, that really embraces the spirit of what you're trying to accomplish. That's exactly right. I know... One of my uh, uh, mentors is Dr. Stephen Covey, and he, he wrote in his book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that one of your goals should be to leave a legacy on this earth, not only when you're here, but when you, you pass on. And I just, and you can get so much, uh, so many rewards from that, and it's just so, uh, so important. And also, you know, the neat thing about this, uh, just thinking about this, is it forces you to think about your real estate business in a very long-term fashion. And not everybody does that. People have come into real estate recently. There's all these bargains out there and people are like, I want to get into the real estate business. We would urge you to stop and think about it. And, and what's your long-term end game? Because this is a great way for your family to leave a legacy, do the right thing for the community, for the very property, the real estate in the community to give back to the community. What a great, great idea. That's exactly right. Uh, I know my my father and like your father, uh, uh, we're blessed to have fathers that are visionaries. My dad's a visionary and he's got a vision for the future. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we started our foundation was to, to kind of incorporate that, that philosophy of vision in, into our business. And I, I totally agree. I could just like I say, just uh, again, to encourage uh, listeners to consider setting up their own foundation. I, I just think it's a wonderful activity. Greg, we really appreciate your time today and for sharing this uh, very personal part of your real estate portfolio. It's great to finally get a chance to meet you in person. Great. Well, I've, I've en enjoyed meeting you and your dad and, and Russell Gray very much. And I, I uh, thank you so much for your time and your effort. Greg Horton is a avid real estate guys listener. If you know someone that ought to listen to the show, tell them about the real estate guys. And we'll urge you to spend some time thinking about how you're going to leave a legacy. I'm your host, Robert Helms. More when we come back from The Real Estate Guys. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Come meet Terry Kerr when the Real Estate Guys come to Memphis for an investor field trip, October 14th to 16th. Get all the details at realestateguysradio.com and click on Events. This is Wayne Palmer, co-author of The Real Book of Real Estate, 
You are listening to the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Always something fun to learn here on the radio. It's our pleasure to bring you uh, interviews like this. Hopefully you enjoyed our uh, tales from these two investors, different guys with different stories, but both making a mark for themselves and realizing that real estate has some very unique attributes. It's a great way to build wealth, arguably one of the best ways for the average person. And from where we sit, this looks like one of the best buyer's markets we are likely to see in the rest of our lifetime. So it's a very strange and different time to be a real estate investor. But if you're getting in now, you probably are a little bit ahead of the curve, and that's always great. What you decide to do with your real estate investing career is up to you. You can just keep it in your own account or, like Terry did, look for a way to expand that into a business. Or, like Craig did, look for a way to leave a lasting legacy. So big thanks to both Terry and Craig Horton for being on the show today. If you'd like to meet Terry Kerr in person, the real estate guys are headed to Memphis, Tennessee. This is going to be a fun trip. Our first real estate field trip to Memphis, October 14th, 15th, and 16th. And we want you there. To find out all the details, go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on events. You'll be able to learn a little bit about the trip and download an order form and come with us. You'll get a chance not not only to meet Terry Kerr and his team, but see a lot of really interesting properties and opportunities in Memphis. And you'll get to see some of the touristy stuff too. We've got a gentleman coming from the Chamber of Commerce to tell us about the four R's in Memphis. It's really going to be uh, a great trip. Uh, Russ and I had a chance to uh, spend a few days there. I'd been to Memphis once before. Russ hadn't been at all. And so we were really learning the market, uh, as you will be probably as you come on the field trip. And I tell you what, in just a couple of days, uh, the team there has really put on an amazing event for us and they're going to repeat it for you so come with us uh, i can't wait to meet you personally in memphis and uh, show you around then you'll get to uh, meet folks like terry and lots of other great professionals who are in the memphis market again just go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and while you're there you might check out the 10th annual investors summit at sea we're going back to the Caribbean in late March, early April of 2012. We'd love to have you come with us. Kenny McElroy and Wayne Palmer joining us for the third year. Garrett Sutton joining us for the second year. And Robert and Kim Kiyosaki joining us for the first year. We're going to have a great time. We've got a great faculty and a great lineup on the cruise. It's going to be a ton of fun. We'd love to have you come with us. You can get all the details at our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. If you've got an interesting real estate investor story, we'd love to hear it. I think that learning from real estate investors is a great way to understand some of the nuances in this business. So again, a big thanks to Terry Kerr and Craig Horton for their contribution today. Thanks to our sponsors for making our show possible, to our engineering team for bringing it to you each week. And thanks to you, our listener. Go out and spread the word about the real estate guys and then make some equity happen. We'll see you next week. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers. Low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Texas Investor Homes. Discover high-yield, low-risk, double-digit cash on cash returns through interim construction funding. Hassle-free cash flow investing, creating cash flow opportunities for real estate investors with brand new single family homes in Dallas, Texas. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. 
to learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.